What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Bounce by Slab Talk. You got me, Amil Sarfani, and our co-host, Rob Gerard. Rob, what's up, dude? How are you doing? I know you had a big show recently. Let's talk Let's talk Probstein. Let's talk uh, what's going on in your life, man. Amil, Amil. What is going on, man? Uh, yeah, crazy, crazy weekend. Uh Card show galore, uh, you know, Pro, uh, Rick Probstein, the biggest consigner on eBay for cards, who we just had on the podcast a couple weeks ago, had his show Autograph Fest at the American Dream Mall, which is the biggest mall in the United States. It's it's literally in the same parking lot as MetLife Stadium, Giant and the Jet Stadium in New Jersey and East Rutherford. And um, the mall is just massive massive was it as big as you expected was it like as as massive you kept you you said this so because we talked about autograph fest for a few Mm -hmm. weeks before it came up and you you called american dream mall like the biggest mall ever was it as big as you thought it would be yeah i think so i mean i i I barely got to see i think even a small part of it you know what i mean i i I did a decent amount of walking once the show was over before trade night um, just to try to get something to eat. And I found myself just walking and walking and walking. And, and I was like, I need to turn around. I said, <laughs> I need to turn around. But yeah, man, uh, Autograph Fest was incredible. Everyone from Rick Flair, Michael Vick, uh, Allen Iverson, Mike Tyson, Mariano Rivera. I mean, there were just celebrities everywhere. Rick Flair was at the bar all night that night. He was at the bar Friday night and Saturday night like crazy with like two dime pieces with him the whole time. Um, so Goldberg. Uh, so there were some incredible pe- like people that were like really good from what I heard with fans and autograph sign um, signees. Uh, I heard that Tyson was great. Goldberg was great. Ric Flair was great. Mariano was great. I heard that Allen Iverson was a nightmare. Um, I heard oh, no. that. Yeah, I heard that. Um, like, I guess he refused to take his mask down, which, which I guess, you know, in the, in the, you know, I guess with COVID and stuff, you know, I get, you know, I can't get mad at that, you know, but he had like a big mask on, like literally covering up from under his chin to the top of his nose. And then he had like a fitted hat frontwards pulled down so you could you could barely even see his eyes um so it was like you could not tell who you were standing there with getting pictures and then there were um there were complaints hold up do you think what do you think it was him yeah oh yeah yeah it was because <laughs> yeah i know exactly yeah yeah you know there so there was a rapper um mf doom i'm not sure if you know about him so he he always kept the mask on he actually just passed away a year or two ago but he always kept the mask on and there were rumors for years that he would send his brother-in-law or his brother to perform at shows for him and um and yeah so anyway so shout out to all my hip-hop heads out there i'm sure there's a few people that are like yo rob yes i know that you know but um so yeah iverson there were some complaints that even in some pictures like the like the customer was looking at the camera and Iverson had his head completely turned, like talking to someone else during the picture. So I guess there was a huge line for refunds for AI, but I mean, you can't put that on probe scene or anything like that. And that's just rumors from what I heard. But um, so, 
you know, but I was in the main, main area. I was set up with Jay from Mojo Sports, Tyler Santiago, Santiago Sports, um, Nick from the Slab Exchange. Us four had our own square right in the middle of the entire show selling. Um, so we were all there together. We all hosted trade night together that night. Uh, we ended up closing a restaurant out. The restaurant stayed even after the mall closed, the restaurant stayed late. And um, so everyone that attended trade night paid five dollars and got a bracelet and all that money went to the restaurant staff for staying open late. So uh, that was really cool. But we had a great time, man. It was I don't even want to use the phrase turned up because I don't you know, I don't really talk like that. But it was it was it was off the hook, though. <laughs> trade night was was the bomb. And uh, let me tell you, I had a great time with Jay from Mojo, man. He is. He is great. Like how he is on camera and his videos is exactly how he is in person, man. Like we were set up directly next to each other for 12 hours. It was nothing but jokes and laughs the entire day. It was so much fun. That's uh, that's sick, man. I, I'm I'm so uh, envious of all of that. That's that <laughs> sounds amazing. It yeah. sounds like a, a great day. Um, you know, and I, I actually heard- tried to get you to come out. I think it was off the air. You and I talked. I was like, listen, Amel. Come out to Probe Scene Fest and you will get added as a host for trade night. You can set up and everything. But I know national is is the focus. So you can't be taking yeah. trips once a month across the country. So I get it. Uh, no, you were right. I should have been there. It, it was in New Jersey. So it probably wasn't that hard to get to either. Um, yeah, no, it's it was probably about 15 minutes from Manhattan. Yeah, you know, just it's right over the GW bridge. You know, it's it's really quick. Yeah, so but so when you've got shows in New York, let me know because that's when I'll be there. I've got friends in New York. It's easy. It's much easier to stay in New York because I've got people I know there. Um, so those I I will make those out. We will be there. I will be there. We will do some of this stuff together because I I need to just get out there. I'm too I'm too excited about it all. Oh yeah, absolutely, Um, man, absolutely. Did you know I'm a Falcons fan because I grew up a Michael Vick fan? really i did not you know i know you went to school in atlanta i know that but i did not know that you were a falcons fan because you don't really talk much football you're i know basketball is your thing um but okay falcons fan michael vick absolutely the guy was electric i mean ah yeah 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 it's you know obviously the dog thing doesn't didn't help um at one point but Redemption. Listen, that's a cultural thing, though. So as much as of, of an animal lover as I am, and I know people really went hard on him for that and for good reasoning, um, you know, I think it was a cultural thing. I mean, he grew up doing dog fighting, and, you know, I think that's, you know, in certain cultures, in certain areas, and I'm not going to speak for anyone's culture or anything. So if I'm misspeaking, please, I'm sure definitely correct me in the comments. But, you know, I think that's looked at sometimes as a sport. And, you know, as, as a way to gamble, you know what I mean? So it's like, and I'm not justifying it, but, um, you know, I think, uh, I don't think Michael Vick was pure evil. I'm saying, I think he was desensitized to it because he grew up around it. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's fair. And that's very, uh, that's like generous of you. And, and he did serve his time and he seemed remorseful for the actions once. Yeah. Obviously he realized they were not great, but, um, but that's fun. I'm sad to hear about Iverson being a nightmare. Uh, also such a legendary, you know, such a fan of his. I used to wear the number three in basketball because of him. Um, I owned an Iverson jersey myself, and I'm not a Philly yeah. fan. No, I, I loved Iverson growing up. So, But uh, that makes sense. <laughs> I can't say can I'm surprised. Name, 
Can you name a player in NBA history that had more heart than Iverson? Um, I think that Iverson's story is just uh, it, it's 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 got a lot of uh, depth to it. There, like his story and his and what he means to the league and how you see other NBA legends talking to and talking about Iverson is oh, yeah. like. That's where the the aura, uh, you know, of Iverson kind of comes from. For me, is like once I once you see once I saw all that stuff happen and and how people really talk about him once he retired and stuff, it was it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's pretty cool. And then like obviously all the documentaries are out there, and I've watched all of them and um and and just really think that his story is is super interesting to me. Yep, grew up uh and correct me if I'm wrong, lower class, Virginia, right? Like rough neighborhood yep. in VA. Went to Georgetown. Yep, you know, went to that, Georgetown, yep. That was that was such an influential part of his his story. But, it, you know, interesting. Lo- love the guy. Glad that he was out there. Autograph Fest sounds amazing. Um, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was – so listen to this. So side note. So, um, so I'm – at trade night and this guy has this trunk of cards right i mean like the most random cards you would ever see all psa slabbed he had everything from kanye west west autograph concert tickets um he had the the most random 1923 baseball cards uh he had just everything i'm like i'm like this trunk is just amazing like i just sat down with him and he was a bit of a strange guy. He was strange. He's not anyone I would probably on a regular basis converse with. Just I wouldn't find myself in the same circles with this guy, right? But um, he seemed like such an interesting fellow, and the, the things he had in his trunk were so interesting. I went through and looked at every single card. There had to have been two hundred cards in this massive trunk so i'm looking at these cards and nick um from at the slab exchange calls me over you know music's playing he's like yo rob come here and so i'm like oh give me a minute so i get up and i walk over and he's with this guy and this guy's just cheesing at me and he and nick goes yo you recognize this guy i go no he goes you grew up with him i'm looking at him and i grew up in newtown connecticut and i'm looking at him and i'm like no, I don't recognize him. And he goes, he was at the movie theater. And I'm like, and we had a movie theater in our town. And I'm racking my brain. And all of a sudden it hits me. It's the kid, Thomas Ian Nicholas from Rookie of the Year and from American Pie. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't. He was honest. Tara Reed's boyfriend in American Pie. He's just Got there it. chilling like at trade night. Like he's just a big fan of yours. No, I don't oh. think so. But for some reason, Nick felt the need to introduce me to me. So <laughs> we, we sit there, we start talking for, we're talking for like 20 minutes. He's pulling out his phone, showing his videos. He, cause he throws out the, a pitch at Wrigley field every year because oh, nice. in, in rookie of the year, he was a Chicago cub, like a 13 year old Chicago cub pitcher. So I don't know, but that just shows the randomness of trade night. Okay. Yeah. And, and just the randomness of people who like, are in the hobby, you know, um, are you just constantly wheeling and dealing at these shows or is there like a deliberateness to, to you? Like, what's that like? Are you just, are you just inundated with so many deals or are you a little bit more patient with it? I tell you, usually I'm doing a lot of wheeling and dealing because I love the art of the transaction. Honestly, 
it's not even about getting a better end of the deal. For me, the best deal is a fair deal for both sides because the last thing I want to do, especially like we have a podcast, like imagine if people start flooding our comments, like, yo, Rob ripped me off at the show. Like that's the last thing I want. Right. So, but it's the transaction. It's, it's everything that goes into the transactions, the communication. So, but more recently though, because I've been so razor focused on consolidation, um, you know, two weeks ago, I had probably 90 slabs. I moved like 50 of them at a show. So I went to Probstein, Probstein show with only 40 slabs. I left there with about 20, 20 slabs. That's it. And about maybe 80K to 100K in inventory in about 20 slabs. That's it. So um, actually, in the last 24 hours, I've been in super liquidation mode and I've been selling off a lot of my stuff to free up cash because I'm trying to make a run at something. Um, don't want to talk about it now because I don't have it yet, but hopefully by this time next week, um, I'll have it in my possession. And if so, I would love to be able to show it to you, show it to the camera uh, and everything like that. It's everything I've been working towards. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Just, uh, just a tease. I, you know, for the audience, uh, Rob told me what this is before the show. And uh, it's a doozy. I, 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 I'm excited. I, I'm excited to talk about it on the show. Hopefully, when it happens. Thank you, man. Uh, and it'll and, happen. It'll happen. Yeah, I hope so, man. Knock on wood, you know. Um, but so I was talking to you before the show, and I know we're gonna jump into the NBA talk and whatnot. But um, and talking to you about just you know being at shows and and it's hard, right? Because I asked you, why don't you go to more local shows in San Antonio? And and you were saying what things just always come up. Uh, yeah, it's just like a weird stretch, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's a lot less complicated than it seems. It's, it's really as simple as, um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be doing a lot of different things in my life. And so, uh, things come up. And so like the last three or four shows that have happened in San Antonio, um, I, I, I just haven't been able to go. There's different reasons, either in-laws are in town and I'm spending time with them, um, or like that's been a lot of the last, or we're going back to, you know, we're traveling somewhere, um, Katie and I take trips and then we also go back to her hometown every once in a while. So like maybe we're out of town. I've been playing a lot of pickleball lately. And so there's been pickleball tournaments that I've been playing in more regularly. And so it's fun to have like a, di a diversity of, sh of stuff I really enjoy doing in life. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be able to do all that stuff. Um, but that's, it's as simple as that. Like the last three or four times stuff has been in the way and, 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 and listening to you go through shows, it's like, man, I'm realizing how, how much I want that as part of my life, because it does take a lot of time to, 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 to wheel and deal online. Like you do have to be very deliberate with it. You have to know what you're looking for. You have to come up with a really like succinct strategy and then to find the best deal, especially if you're going after like rarer, more, you know, higher end cards or even just rarer cards in general, you have to go on the hunt. Like that's the fun of it. Like you have to go look for it and it doesn't just like, it's not always just there for you because these cards, especially rare ones maybe are not even on the market and only come up on the market every once in a while or are even, or only come up on the market and are reasonably priced every once in a while. And so it's a lot, it's a, it takes more time. So I wish I was going to shows because I love, and I love the art of the transaction too. I, 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 it, the, the game of negotiating is, is just such a it, it to me it, it's and it's an adrenaline rush it my is. wife and i will joke like a couple years ago when she bought a new car 
like we went to go buy a new car and I, you know, I did the whole like negotiation for the car and I'm ending the day and being like, Ooh, I got such a great deal. I love it. You know, we played a real game, there was strategy to it and we got the car at a really great price. Uh, and then, you know, the joke in our family now is like, we got to take Amil to the dealership because he weirdly likes this stuff when everyone else hates asking for like, they, they don't negotiating, negotiating in general is a very uncomfortable activity. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. Well, listen, if you're listening to the pod or if you're watching this on YouTube and you are in the Texas area, specifically San Antonio, but anywhere's near, reach out to Amil, okay? Get him to go to a show. Um, if you're having a trade night, invite him to trade night, okay? Uh, let's get it going. We need to get Amil fully, fully in this, okay? So hit him up for sure. And, uh, yeah, listen, I'm just, it's just something about those shows, man. You know, it's, it's something incredible, but one thing I am nervous about, um, is if I'm liquidating almost everything I have and putting it into a single card, boy, let me tell you that's, I'm, I'm basically going to be setting the reset button on everything I know and have with cards. So that's going to be fun to look forward to, but let's see, let's see what happens when you get the card, because what ends up happening is that you have the card and then because you have a really cool rare card, that's worth a lot of money. It doesn't take a lot for someone to come up to you and be like, okay, now I want that rare card and I'll pay you more than you paid for it. And all of a sudden you'll be kind of back and it'll be like, all right, weird. But that's, you know, when you talk about people who collect really high end stuff like that, it's like, Cool, they get the card, but you realize it's really about getting there, and then you want yeah. to try getting there again in a different yeah. way. You know. So, side note, um, it's funny. I'm even going to say this on air, but so at uh, at the Probe Scene show, I see sports card investor Jeff Wilson, and um, and him and I, we uh, I'm not gonna. I think we we've had kind of a funny relationship. So you know, I invited him on my podcast sports card therapist um a few months back and he agreed he was going to come on no problem and last minute i canceled having him on because i just kind of rethought some things and i was like okay i don't think i'm going to so you know and we kind of ended things on kind of like a weird note you know like a few long dms so i see him at the show and here we are set up i mean we're set up so the guy who set up the show when I got there, it goes, Rob, we're set up. We're calling this murderer's row. Okay. Because this is, <laughs> we have you, Mojo, me, Santiago sports. We're all there. Everyone's filming. There's cameras everywhere, like right in the middle of everything. So Jeff Wilson goes there. He's there with his son. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to see Jeff. You know, I could probably feel the temperature, you know, say hi to him kind of thing and see what happens. Let me tell you something. He completely avoided the entire middle area and he was there filming, you know? Um, and I can't help, but think, I don't often think that things are about me. I can't help, but think though, that he saw me <laughs> and just did not want to have an awkward encounter. I want you guys to have it out. I just want you guys to have it out. You know, I, I figured I was going to see him and we were going to like shake hands and be like, hey, man, you know, no harm, no foul, no feelings hurt. But, you know, just wasn't wasn't a good foot to have you on the show kind of thing. And um, I know when I canceled on him, he was 
he was he was upset and then i had you know and even on our channel we had some of his like followers like really pissed off in the comments <laughs> like, com like coming off, for man. me so he's got he's got some fans fans you know but yeah so i don't know but i i think he avoided the middle on purpose because why would you not go in the middle why would you want to i don't the whole thing because you, you were there rob because I, I know you were there but so anyways uh great show overall though rick probe scene did an incredible job um so hats off to him for being the first show he ever put on incredible trade night was incredible um you know national is what nine weeks away oh my god <laughs> that's the countdown man it's like nine nine yeah. and a half weeks national Atlantic City, New Jersey. New Jersey. So, um, <clears throat> listen, let's transition to basketball. Your sport, your favorite sport. At the time of recording this, the series, the both conference finals have not kicked off yet, but we know the matchups. Dallas versus Golden State, Miami versus Boston. What were your thoughts on those game sevens that were played this past weekend, were the leg were people's legacies truly on the line, or is it like ah, oh, there's always next season. People will forget about this. No, it was a weird. I mean, that was a weird day of games. Like two game sevens to be blowouts in the way they were, especially the Suns blowout. I mean, that's a different. Like that Ooh, felt different. Twenty seven points at halftime. I mean, I, I I I don't know what happened. The whole day went by, and I was like, what? what the hell like what just happened today you know is one of those because it's you neither of those games like maybe you could have expected one of the you know Boston Celtics or the 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 buck series something but Milwaukee like jumped out in front though at first yeah and it didn't feel that bad until like the fourth quarter like you it felt like you know it was a, a lot of good game and then it got out of hand whereas like the the Suns Mavericks game was just garbage from the start like it, it didn't start good Luca had eight points in like the first few minutes you know like it was over when it when it started I, I don't know it was weird it was weird and I do think that uh there are things that like the most interesting story coming out of it for me as a sports car collector specifically and when we talk about things like legacies and how that that contributes to collectability I think there's a lot of interesting storylines coming out of this weekend including Chris Paul, Luca, and Giannis. And so I want to kind of go through some of them and compare them because a lot of these guys, like especially the Luca Doncic's of the world, are it's so different than the Chris Paul situation, right? Luca's new, he's young, he's taking his team to the conference finals very, very early in his career, very like LeBron Kobe-esque of like getting there sooner than people expect. Like I love watching Luca play. I do too. It's it's a skill set that like is pretty I hate, the, I hate the flopping, but the way that he just like talks junk, the looks he'll give his opponents, like the swagger, the swagger that he's he's getting right now is different. It, it's it's it feels different. Like I think than it did the last couple years. Now he didn't get out of the first round. He lost to the, a weird Clippers team both years. You know, played great, had great series in both of them, but this year feels like like look at his team man look at the team around him look at the team around him i well, can getting injured definitely caused the other players to truly step up and mature in the spotlight that's true it's a great point 
Especially Jalen Brunson. Now, definitely. Now, do you think that Golden State is going to humble your boy Luca and and, and like um, beat them in five? So I do. I I do want to do our predictions for these series. We could do them now. Let's do our predictions now and get it get get into like the the meat and potatoes of of like the 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 the, the talk after it. But I think the I think the Mavs beat the Warriors. What in seven? What? I think the Mavs. I, I that's I I don't I don't think I really like like. I think that the Warriors actually kind of scare me a little bit. I don't feel like like they should have stepped on the neck of the Grizzlies. Now the Grizzlies are a good team without job, but it's the playoffs. Like, come on, what are we doing here? You know, like I get it, but it's a bunch. Of, it, it is, it is, it is Jaws' team, and the fact that he went out. And I know they won a bunch of games, so they that definitely helped them. But it felt like they were gonna, they were, a, they they could have pulled out either game. Like it felt like that at at certain points of both of those games in Game Six and Seven, or sorry, Games Five and Six. Like it did feel like that, and for. It, it, it Clay's not himself. Draymond doesn't shoot anymore. Steph seems like he's not as aggressive. Weirdly enough, I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. Well, they're older, right? They're older. They've yeah, they're aged, older. but yeah. it, it feels like the Warriors. I mean, when you look at the main three, and then you throw in Wiseman, Pool when he's shooting and he's he's hot. That's a really hard team to beat. I don't know if I see Dallas, but I mean the hobby. What is? Let me ask you something. Legacy wise, who is it more important to, or for to win? Luca winning his first, or Steph winning his fourth and tying LeBron? Uh, I would go Luca on this one. I think Luca. I think Steph's legacy is pretty cemented now. Obviously, if he ties LeBron, that's 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 awesome. But the conversation of Steph over LeBron, I don't think is. I don't think that. I don't think we get there. Like, I don't think that's. I think that maybe it's a conversation on like the talk shows every once in a while. Like, who would you rather have in their prime, Steph or LeBron? And maybe they'll like that rivalry will have like a bit of a heyday if that happens. But I do think LeBron is comfortably just because of the. The, the type of player he is. I mean, he's dominant across every single category because of his size and athleticism where Steph is the best shooter of all time and completely changed the game. I don't, I, I just don't know if it affects his legacy as much. I do think Steph's legacy is like pretty cemented. Luca going to the finals in year four. That's, that's like people will lose their mind shit. That almost like solidifies his card market, the way that Giannis is, feels like it's been solidified, right? Because, like, I remember last year before Giannis won, um, it really was like the hobby who the hobby was like collectively holding their breath to see, like, okay, are Giannis prices going to stay or are they going to drop off? Because if he lost, I feel like they would have dropped significantly. But he won and his prices were so inflated already, it felt like they remained steady and i think you can say the same for luca right like but do luca's prices go up if they win or are they so, so high do you think like i'm talking about the high-end stuff yeah the high-end stuff i i do think that like i think the card market in general is in a weirder spot right now so whether that stuff really goes up because i do think there was a lot of there is a lot of like winning 
already baked into Lucas prices. Like, let's be real. Like Lucas yeah. prices, there's no discount. You're not there's getting like a three, discount. There's like three rings baked in his prices, it feels like. And I know it's corrected a little bit, but come on. Yeah, so I don't think you're getting a discount anyway. So I, his if he wins, I think what it does is that it does solidify his market to some degree. So it, it creates a new floor, I think, for him. Like, that's what I think it does do, is like now Luka is in the echelon, and now he's going to be talked about as like a potential next guy. Of like the guy, you know, him and Giannis, like those will be the two, two faces of the league. Those guys will be battling it out. they will be the next like decade, right? Is a Giannis versus Luca. Like I can almost, see all almost like how the hobby was on jaw for the last month or so. Yeah. Yeah. And Jaw's going to be in that, ca- like, just like in any Steph LeBron, there's always the Kevin Durant. There's always the James Harden's like, there's always other guys that are also prolific and amazing. But I do think like, for the 2010 to 2020s, it was very much a like Steph or LeBron, you know, like who's going to be in it. So, and like, there's always decades like that. You've got the magic versus the bird. You've got, you know, the Tim Duncan versus Kobe. <laughs> Listen, Duncan was saying? winning rings, but I don't ever remember him being in the Kobe conversation. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. The ducking was way above it, and people who were comparing Kobe. No, I'm I'm not gonna. No, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, no, and listen, I'm not mad at that. You know, going all the way back to Bill Russell versus Will. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, definitely. You know. Can I say, with sorry, cut you off there. I had a thought that I wanted to to say before I forget it. One thing I do think is very interesting about the card market right now is that differently than it was in the past. I think it's gotten a little bit smarter in the sense that like Giannis's prices did not take off while he was up in the series. Like when they were up three, two against the Celtics, people weren't like betting on Giannis. His prices stayed relatively steady, even though he's lost his prices never got pumped before they lost. And so I think Giannis's market also stays like fairly steady. And I think people are getting a little bit smarter to the fact that like maybe we don't bet on the guy actually winning because that's harder to do. And that's, you know, that's hard. So I don't think the prices went up the way they were, they had in the past. Obviously we're also in a different market cycle, but I do think that's interesting. Yeah. And I think the thing with Giannis is right. Like he's already won a ring. So arguably he could probably go another five years without winning one. And I think his prices will stay pretty, pretty high, pretty stable. You know, like, you know, you, you're talking about like a national treasure RPA of Giannis. You're talking about like a, what, a four or $500,000 card. So his, I think his prices are going to stay up there. Him winning the ring solidified that. If you're looking to buy a top 1% of, a, of Giannis's card collection, good luck. Good luck because it's probably going to be six figures. So I do think if he went five years before he won another championship, I do think in year three, if he goes like three years without winning one, I bet you could have an opportunity to buy a nice Giannis card three years from now, assuming that he hasn't gone back to the final. In the off season. Yeah. In the off season. Three yeah, years. I mean, and, and the thing is, too, I think with the hobby, and this is more of a bigger hobby question, and we're going to get right back to basketball in a sec, but the hobby in general, and I want to talk about this, especially next week when I talk about me liquidating, the hobby in general has gotten so much smarter in the last 12 to 18 months. Okay. More people than ever 
are learning the cycles and playing the cycles, right? When it comes to investing in their cardboard, more people I think are seeing like, you know what? I'm watching Jason Tatum completely light it up right now. He's one of the hottest players on the planet. Now is probably not the right time to buy a Jason Tatum card. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait until the season's over. I'm going to see where the chips fall as far as who wins and who doesn't. And if I still really want that Jason Tatum card, that's when I'll buy it. I think that people are really smartening up to the to the cycles. Yes, I do think they are. However, I do think it's also natural to want to buy when the guy is going off in the biggest moments. Of course. Like that is a pretty, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that tugs at your hobbies. That, that I was looking up Trey part. Young cards last year in the playoffs when he was lighting up the Knicks like crazy. I bought a Jordan Poole card just because he was lighting it up. Like it's 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 it is fun to buy when the guy is going off. Would you buy like, anything anything big or? Yeah, remember I, I showed it last week the Jordan Poole select disco the, the yeah, select yeah, 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 out of yeah, yeah. five. I, I think I'm gonna get um I, I think I'm gonna get it graded, but um That's right. I need it. Yep, because because you're gonna play the grading game. You had two cards you wanted to yep. send out for grading. Yep. So so now, uh, however. Because people still do buy, and it's okay to buy during this time. You just have to be, you just have to be a little bit more like patient with it, and you just also have to know what you're doing. But that's okay. So most people aren't doing this to like make a ton of money. It's like a hobby, you know. So people who have some discretionary income are going to buy a card when it feels good, and when it feels good is like during this time for basketball. I've sold my big Steph Curry cards during this time because it just makes sense, and people are watching Steph Curry. Do want to potentially like take that flyer on even if he doesn't win who cares it's still steph curry but if he does win like that's really cool and i could be holding a really cool steph curry card at the yeah. time so i have but so it has been a good time to liquid to, to sell those cards at basically comps because people are a little bit more anxious to buy you know what i'm saying um yeah so so, so let me ask you so moving on from uh from the warriors and luca and yeah. Can I, can I make a clarification just for the people listening? You did say that uh, you're li- for the next week's show when you're liquidating. I do want to make it clear that you're liquidating for a huge buy. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Thank you for people that might have missed the beginning of, of the episode. Yes. I am liquidating for a massive buy, for a massive card, <laughs> something that I've just been talking about nonstop for the last six months right it's just it's always consolidating leveling up and and i'm just kind of putting my you know my money where my mouth is i guess but uh yeah so uh luca warriors you know i think i gotta play the safe i gotta go the safe way i mean i who of course i'm rooting for luca i would love to see luca he's just really fun to watch and um, there's something kind of unlikable about the Warriors. I think it's just their dominance. <laughs> it's almost like the Patriots. You know, it's like people just like dislike the Patriots because, right, come on, give someone else a chance. And I almost feel like that about the Warriors. Um, I mean, if I was putting money on it, I would. I can't bet against the Warriors. So, yes, I am picking the Warriors to win. You're picking Dallas. Awesome. I'm picking Dallas in seven. What are you going what, to – how many games? Yeah, I think I will. Um, yeah, I think I can go Warriors in Warriors in seven. 
I think Dallas makes it interesting, man. Dallas has been looking phenomenal. And to watch their dominance of Phoenix, listen, I posted something last night. I try not, or a few nights ago, I, I try not to post anything that's like negative, man, because I'm always a glass half full. I never want to kick anyone when they're down. But to me, Chris Paul's just unlikable. The Phoenix team is just unlikable. You know, it's like Devin Booker's dating a Kardashian or a Jenner. It's like everything about them to me is just unlikable. You know what I mean? Chris Paul just jumps from team to team to team. He still can't win it. I don't care if you went 14 for 14 in the playoff game this season. Um, so to watch them struggle so much in a big moment, I just loved it. I can loved we, it. So I want to end the show with Chris Paul because I think Chris Paul, there's a conversation I want to have about Chris Paul's legacy. I think it's fascinating. I think it's really interesting. And I think when you start comparing it to some of the other guys that he's played alongside uh, in his career, I think it's really fascinating. So I want to save it because I want to come Perfect. back. We'll, yeah. we'll circle back. Now, Tatum and the Boston Celtics against Miami. Don't sleep on Miami, man. They are physical. And Jimmy Butler, every time I watch this man play, I'm like, he just reminds me so much of Kawhi Leonard. Like he just is underappreciated. He he's low key. He's efficient. He's a monster. He'll go off at, at the drop of a dime. He'll just go off and drop thirty and dominate whoever's on him. Um, who's your prediction? Boston or Miami? Boston and six. Boston and six. I I'm I'm I don't I'm not buying into this Miami team. I think they played a, a, a Sixers team that was hurt. Joel Embiid was not himself. I think that if he was playing, if he wasn't hurt, I, I think it would be a potential. I think it would be a different story. I think the James Harden thing cannot be underrated as how much of a flop that was for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, and I I think it was a weird team. I think they, they got constructed at the end of the season. Um, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold with what's going on with Miami. And I do think Boston is – like been tested more through these playoffs. So I think Boston comes out of it and I think they look strong coming out of it. Hmm. Um, I can't argue there. Uh, I think that um, I'm going to go Boston in seven, Boston in seven. Okay. Um, Let me ask you about Jimmy Butler. Yes. Legacy wise. He's a very interesting person in the sports card hobby because I don't think he really has much of a market and isn't super collectible. And that's why I compared him to Kawhi. I think even yeah. if Jimmy Butler wins, like Kawhi Leonard has won multiple times, I don't see Jimmy Butler's actual card market doing much. I don't. I don't either. I. I, I don't either. I, I don't think he's got. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I, if he if he comes out in the the finals and just dominates in a in a in a. Dwayne Wade kind of fashion from, you know, you know, 08, like that's, or 06, like that's, that's a different story. I just, I don't see it happening. And I don't think his, I don't think his, his, his like personality is as collectible either. I don't, Jimmy's got a, a very like specific type of person that I think connects with Jimmy Butler, you know? Well, yeah. And, and I think what hurts him is the fact he's been on multiple teams. He's played yeah. for multiple teams, you know, and this is what his third team. Third or fourth? Uh, Minnesota. Jimmy, Minnesota. Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Miami. Sixers before that. 14. That's why he's not collectible. 
I'm sorry. He he was never able to establish himself early on as a champion the way that and you can't you can't even compare anyone to LeBron. So I was gonna say the way LeBron did, but it's like you can't even compare anyone to LeBron. You know, but when when you're changing teams like that, um, you know, I, I think it's just impossible. You know, I think even I don't think Miami fans and card collectors, Miami card collectors are gonna turn into massive Jimmy Butler collectors, you know, because I, I remember speaking with Chris from card ladder and he told me that really all it takes are probably a hundred people on the face of this earth, a hundred people to become a super collector of a single player to drastically change the entire card market for that player. So can a hundred people become collectors of a player if he has a hot playoffs? Of course. But to really buy in and start buying up his high, high-end cards, if he's been on four teams in 10 years, I don't see people investing in that because he might win and then jump ship and go to play for a fifth team. Man, when you phrase it like that, that it only takes a hundred people to make a cards, a card, a collector, a, a player's card market collectible, in a tidal wave kind of shift, in a tsunami type change to the market. That's all it takes. And it takes more than that, I guess, because it would take more people than that for the hundred to stick because the hundred's got to stick. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. It is interesting. That's an interesting way to put it. But yeah. I agree with you. I think Jimmy is uh, is is a great player. He's he's playoff. Jimmy Butler is like an entirely different, you know, it's oh, a different he's a beast. Story. Yeah, he's, he's a beast. He's but I don't think he's that collectible. Now, Jason Tatum, on the other hand, like you start putting him in the Ja Morant, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum category of the next tier of superstars, right? Like, And here's the thing. I think if I was building a team, I could probably think of 10 other players in the league I would probably build a team around other than Jason Tatum. He's not the most efficient. He's not great on defense, but you know he he does have an it factor. And I don't know if it's because of the market he plays in with Boston or not, but he does have an it factor that like you can't just put your finger on. But the guy almost, you know, he's almost like a John Morant kind of thing. Like when he's on the court, it's all eyes on him. Rob, you're a Knicks fan, right? What are you? Are you what, what's your team? How have I not asked you this before? You know what? I've wanted to be a Knicks fan for so many years, but they've really haven't given me anything to root for. So I'm like a lot of people who I coming up, I was a Chicago Bulls, love Jordan. And then I also became an Orlando Magic fan because of Penny and Shaq. So really, when it comes to football, I'm a fan of superstars, which is kind of crazy. And it feels nuts to say that me being a diehard Yankee, diehard Giants fan, to say that I don't have a home team with basketball, I feel like almost like a, a a bandwagon guy, but I'm just a fan of superstars. I really am. Like I've just always kind of loved LeBron. Um, so I I think that's I think that's very NBA centric. Like that's how a lot of NBA fans are, and and I think that makes a lot of sense. These guys have like larger than life personalities that now transcend kind of the team fandom. You're almost yeah they're now in your face i mean basketball is kind of fun for that reason right like you really get to invest in the person i think that's what makes it such a fun collectible hobby as well is that you're not just it's not just on the court it's like a personality thing it's fans of the player how big they are they've got real influence like it's interesting 
for that reason. But yeah, um, I do think Tatum is proving himself to be, and he's still so young, man. He's still what 24, 25, like still so insanely young to, to think that Giannis, Luca, Tatum, and Ja, even if you want to throw Trey Young into that mix, are all don't so throw Trey Young in that mix. Don't throw Trey in that mix. I think <laughs> I think last year he had a good playoff run, but I don't think he's on that level. But uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying though. Um, listen, if if Boston is able to win a ring this season, Tatum's market will explode. Okay, because let me tell you something. When it comes to cards, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. And I have a lot of friends that are Boston Celtic fans, you know, being up here in the New England area. I have friends that are Tatum super collectors, and um, they'll probably get pissed at me for saying this, but Tatum is, is super undervalued right now, man. I mean, Luca's cards, and and if you're talking about like gold numbered out of 10 rookie autos. Luca's cards compared to Tatum are about 10x the price. 10x. I've had Tatum super collectors tell me this, okay? And they're like, listen, I am buying up all the Tatum rookie autos I can, RPAs, gold out of 10s, because it's almost like he's still kind of a secret to card collectors. But let me tell you, if the Boston Celtics win, Tatum is going to his market's going to explode, and I think it's going to do what Giannis's did prematurely, um, and it's going to price most people out. It's going to price most collectors out of the of the Tatum market. Yeah, I I think that's the one player that if he actually wins the championship, you'll see a marketable increase in his price. Uh, I think that's the one guy if he wins this year. That's a good call. That. That's yeah, a great I, call on your part. Yeah, I think it's the only guy because I think Luca's got it baked in. Mm-hmm. I think Giannis would have even had that baked in too. Maybe his would have gone up a little bit if he got the cha- if he got it back to back. But I do think his yeah. prices already have a lot of that like that talent baked in and that winning baked in. I think Steph's already there. Steph's cards yep. are already crazy expensive. Uh, so I don't. I, I think Tatum is the only guy that would really, really see it. So what I hear you saying is Tatum collectors have the most gain this year. From them winning. And then I think Luca, because Luca has so many collectors collecting Luca, um, I think a lot of Luca collectors will kind of breathe a sigh of relief and feel like, okay, my investment is safe for the next couple of years. So now I have some breathing room because let's be honest, I think Luca collectors, especially this season with with the market correcting and the Luca prices correcting. A little bit, even though they're still high, but Luca price is correcting. There are a lot of Luca collectors I knew that are like, that are like diamond hands. I'm into this for way too much money. I will not sell this. <laughs> I'm going down with the ship. So there's going to be, you're going to hear the collective exhale across the country. Like you're going to see, you're going to feel wind blow <laughs> from a, a, like if Luca is able to win somehow. But yeah, yeah. I feel that. That's, that's, that, that's so on point. That's right. Um, all right, let's talk about Chris Paul because yes. I do think this is a larger conversation about the hobby. I think it's really fascinating. Chris Paul has is you know has been in the league since 2005, long time now, and has has been on a lot of different teams, but is one of the best point guards to ever play the game. He will be remembered. He will have a legacy attached to him, and a lot of it's going to be positive. But one thing that you cannot get past with him is his playoff performances 
and just the bad luck he's run into. Call it bad luck, call it a mix of both, whatever you want to call it. But it's on paper that he has lost five series after being up 2-0. Uh, wow. He, isn't that crazy? Yes. That's the fifth time that he's lost a series after being up 2-0. That's, wow. I mean, there were the dock years that they lost 3-1 with the Clippers, right? Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of choke jobs for the Chris Paul legacy. And I do think it's interesting from a card collecting standpoint because it does really affect his cards, even though I would argue there's probably a lot of people out there that really like Chris Paul. But his collectability definitely takes a hit. And I guess this is my question to you is, and this is the theme of, of this whole conversation is five years from now, is it about legacy or is it about potential? Legacy or what? Or potential. Do more people buy because of potential or are more people buying because of legacy? More people buy because of potential, without a doubt. More people buy because of the whole hype of what he could be factor. I think you've seen that absolutely with Luca, Trey Young. Um, you've seen that with just a lot of these guys, you know, and I think that's why there was a massive collective exhale when Giannis won last year. The same way there will be this year if Luca wins. Um, you know, I think when it comes to legacy, I think people mostly want the goats. They mostly want Jordan, LeBron, Curry, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain. Um, outside of that, you know, it's like, you know, it's, I think people have seen that you can make money in this hobby, but the way to make money is the, is the prospect and, and try to buy in at the potential that you're talking about. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, I think that's exactly right. That's where my mind goes with this. I think for so long I was like, okay, I want to have, you know, cards of the goats and players that I think have long legacies and, 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 and it's safer. And, you know, we, we've had this discussion before. I mean, they like putting your money in a savings account. You're not, chances are you're not going to lose it. Yeah. But is it putting in your money into a savings account that loses 3% every year? Like, yes, maybe it's safe, but does it ever have the upside? And is mm -hmm. that what drives the hobby? And I, and I think you're right. I think the the hobby is driven by potential. It's driven by the 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 oh my god! I want to see the guy that's playing on on the on the screen like actually win it all, and I want to believe in that because there's a lot of there's a lot of joy in that like hope and belief that this person can be something different that you've never seen before. And now I think that's I think that's going to be the heart of the hobby going forward too. I think that's what drives the next wave as well. Is how much fun can we have flipping cards, especially prospecting? Because I do think that's look at a guy like Chris Paul. His his let me just give you a couple numbers here. His 2005 Topps Chrome Refractor, super high end card for a Chris Paul collector. PSA 10, only a pop of 21. Trades for about the last one went for $4,320. And that sounds a lot, a lot like a lot, but compared to like people with long legacies and real goats and, and the best of evers. Oh, a LeBron, even in a, a super down market like this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the PSA 10 for LeBron goes for like 60 or 70, something like that. More. Now, I'll, compare, I'll compare it to, I'll look it up, but I'll compare it to a guy like, I think someone similar, but has a championship under his belt, like a Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk is special though. 
you know, I think Dirk does have this weird cult following of people that just love the guy. Just love. I mean, I mean, he brought the one and only title to Dallas. His 1998 Topps Chrome Refractor in a PSA 10 has a population of 12. How much do you think it goes for? Dirk? Yeah. Well, it's the end of the junk wax era. Um, I don't think there's probably a ton of Dirk super collectors out there. PSA 10 only pop 12. Um, I would probably say the same as Chris Paul, probably between like four, four and eight grand. Uh, the last one sold for 18,000. Oh, wow. And the card ladder value on it is 13,600. So even if you want to give it a total of, you know, the card ladder value of 14,000. Now, would you have three Chris Paul tops, Chrome refractor PSA 10s? Or one Dirk Nowitzki. Topps I'd Chrome. rather have one Dirk. Okay. Another guy that I think is just kind of interesting because they fall in a similar collectability category for me is Paul Pierce. Yeah, I think I think outside of Boston, I think people aren't a fan of Paul Pierce. And I can't put my finger on why. You know. How much do you think know. Paul Pierce is going for? His 1998 Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 10. Pop eleven. What do you think it goes? What is he with the last the last sold for? Four K. Five thousand. All right. Now, last one. Zion. I could do these all day. I know, I know. It's fun. Zion and we'll do this more because I I the, this or that is always fun to me. Zion Williamson. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll set you up for this one. That's all I wanted to do. This is Zion Williamson, uh, blue out of out of one ninety nine. So color match. Uh, sorry, the blue ice out of. Uh, sorry, so the blue out of one ninety nine uh, in a PSA ten. It's a population of twenty six, so similar pop, but it's Zion. How much do you think that goes for? Forty k. It goes for eleven thousand. Oh. And that's okay for overestimating because I would have probably said something similar. Now, would you have two Chris Paul refractor PSA tens or one Zion Blue out of one ninety nine for in a PSA ten? Probably Zion. Still Zion. It's still Zion. The answer is still Zion, right? Like again, when we talk about potential versus, even yeah. though Chris Paul has such a long track record, Zion has played as many games as an Andrew Bynum did when he first get came in the league. Uh, or sorry, sorry, Greg Oden when he first came in the league, Ooh. right? Like he's got major health issues, has gone through surgeries, and yet his blue out of 199 and a PSA 10 sells for more than double, almost oh, three times what the Chris Paul Topps Chrome Refractor in a PSA 10 is. I don't know what that says about the hobby. I think I know what it says about the hobby. That's what we're talking about. But it's just fascinating when you start comparing it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to – the conference finals. I'm looking forward to seeing how the next few weeks of the NBA completely shake the landscape of the hobby. I think the only way that there's little to no impact is if Miami wins everything. Yeah, that would be a, a sad hobby outcome. <laughs> Good for Miami fans, but a sad hobby. It's going to be good for South Beach, but. Yeah, they don't even appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Um, 
All right, let's uh let's wrap it there. Appreciate you tonight, man, and and thanks for all the listeners for sticking with us through this one. Um, I'm excited to 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 hear about your deal. I I wish you the best, bud. Um, and uh, have a good night. Yeah.